Happy Mother's Day to all. We just had the joy of being able to witness these uh, children being dedicated to the Lord, and that certainly is a joy. It's one of my greatest privileges and honors to be able to uh, perform that uh, act of dedication. This morning, we're going to consider Mary and Joseph's dedication of Jesus and lessons to be learned from Jesus' dedication. The first thing that I want to address this morning is whether it is even appropriate to speak of what Mary and Joseph did as dedicating the Lord Jesus. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, if you're not there already, we're going to be working our way through this passage, um, making observations about uh, dedication of children to the Lord. But the first question is, is it correct to speak of Mary and Joseph as dedicating Jesus to the Lord? Well, if you look at Luke chapter 2, verse 22, it states this, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, and now these words, to present him, that is Jesus, to the Lord. All of the major translations translate the word as present to describe what Mary and Joseph did in reference to Jesus in presenting him to the Lord. The word present simply means to put at one's disposal. To put at one's disposal. So they came in order to put Jesus at God's disposal. They came declaring that they wanted God's will to be accomplished in the life of Jesus. I submit to you that is very, very similar to the very first vow that you witnessed the parents take that were dedicating their children to the Lord. I asked them this question. Inasmuch as God has given you this child, do you consecrate or set your child apart to God in his service, and do you publicly acknowledge that in so doing, you are submitting yourself to God's will for this child, whatever it may involve? I submit to you that that is exactly what Mary and Joseph were doing when they were presenting Jesus to the Lord. They were saying, this child belongs to you to do your will in this child, whatever that may involve. Now there was a lot more going on in the life of Jesus than simply his dedication in this passage. In addition to presenting Jesus to the Lord, they were also following the purification laws. Notice Luke 2.22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. So there were purification laws that governed both the mother and the child. They were fulfilling these purification laws. Vows. 
In Luke 2.24, it says, uh, to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is recorded in Leviticus 12, 6 through 8, and it says this, And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or a daughter, she'll, shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon for a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law of her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be cleaned. So they were also engaging in the purification laws. The purification laws provided the occasion for their presenting Jesus to the Lord. According to Luke 2.39, we find out that there was a great deal going on, for it tells us in verse 39, and where they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. So there were a lot of ceremonial aspects that were being fulfilled. I'm not going to go into all those ceremonial aspects this morning, for that is not my purpose or my intent. Certainly there was much more here than dedication. But my point is, this morning, that in the whole realm of what was taking place, one important element was the dedication or the presenting Jesus to the Lord for God to use this child in whatever way God so determined to be fit. In that, we have a similar statement concerning our act of dedication to the Lord. The second thing I'd like you to note is that the act of presenting children was an act of both parents. Luke, Luke 2.22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of the Lord, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So both Mary and Joseph are involved here. The purification laws really govern basically Mary and, and uh, the baby. Jesus. So we have Joseph here mentioned because he's traveling with them, but also because he is a part of presenting the baby to the Lord. So it was both parents that were engaged in this act of dedicating Jesus to the Lord. Even as we witnessed this morning, both parents presenting their children in dedication to the Lord. Now, why is that significant? Well, it teaches us that there is a mutual and shared re responsibility in our child rearing. It isn't just the role of the mother, or it isn't just the role of the father to be giving spiritual admonition, to be giving instruction, to be giving teaching, to provide encouragement, and ultimately to release this child to the Lord for God to use that child in whatever way that God would deem fit. But rather, it is the responsibility of both parents. The third thing I'd like to note is that the act of presenting a child to God was not unique to Mary and Joseph. This was not unique to Jesus. Now, certainly Jesus was a very unique baby putting it 
mildly. I mean, he's the son of God. No baby is like the baby Jesus. And as we think of the baby Jesus, he certainly is in a class all by himself. But what I'm saying to you this morning is that the act of dedicating him is not an act all by itself. It is not an act that was reserved to Jesus because Jesus was the Son of God. But it was rather an act that was to be performed by every godly Jewish family. That every family should be presenting their child in dedication to the Lord, even as Hannah did in the Old Testament. For notice what we read in Luke 2.23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Exodus 13.2 says this, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and beast, is mine. It's a recognition that this child is both a gift of God and belongs to God. Again, Jesus, a unique gift and belonging to God in a unique way. But every child is a gift of God and every child belongs unto God. Not just Mary and Joseph's child. As I said, every devout Jew would have presented their children to the Lord. So too, dedication is an act that really every godly parent should engage in. It should not be unique to a few, but rather it should be a common circumstance. It would be right for every godly parent to acknowledge first and foremost that this child is in fact a gift of God, that this was intended to be a blessing of God. Uh, unfortunately, in our day and age, there are many, quote, unwanted, quote, children. There are many children that, unfortunately, parents look at as a burden, as a heartache, uh, as an inconvenience. And certainly the response of the believer is that this child is a gift from God. This child is a blessing. This child is a joy. This child is a delight. And more than just a personal joy and delight, more than just for our own benefit, more for than just our own pleasure as a family and extended family, but this child is an entrustment to us from God to rear that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that child will then in turn desire to honor and glorify God with their entire life and being. And that should be the goal of every Christian parent, to be rearing children that love and desire to serve God. Now that loving and serving God can come in many different forms, many different applications, many different careers, uh, many different uh, engagements, but it should be the mutual goal of all 
parents. I'd like to look at the, those that were present at the dedication. First, Simeon, he actually officiated at the dedication. He played my role, if you will. And uh, let us look at what takes place. Luke 2.25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Samuel, uh, excuse me, Simeon was a unique priest. He was righteous, he was devout, he was devoted to God. And it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He anticipated the work of God. Simeon had been told by God that he would see the Messiah. Notice verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Remember, Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. So Simeon was told by God that Simeon would not die until he had seen the Messiah. God led Simeon to the temple so that Simeon would have the privilege of dedicating Jesus. Notice verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. He came in the spirit into the temple. In other words, it is no coincidence that Simeon was present the day that Jesus is being dedicated. God's spirit was upon Simeon. God had told Simeon that he would see the Messiah. And God brought Simeon to the temple that very day for the sole purpose of dedicating this child to the Lord. It was the fulfillment of God's purpose, not only for the child, but for Simeon as well. Now we have the prayer of Simeon in verses 29 through 32. As he held this child in his arms, this is the prayer that Simeon offered. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So he thanked God and gave praise to God, recognizing that this child was the one that was going to be the Savior. This was the Christ. This is the one that he had been looking for. And then we're given the response of Mary and Joseph in verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And yes, they were amazed in what was said about Jesus. They knew so much about this child. They knew that he was virgin born. They knew that he was the son of God. 
They knew that he was the Savior. That's why they called his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. But more was being revealed to them. More was being understood by them. As days went on, they had a greater sense of who this child was and what God's will would be for this child. As we dedicate our children to the Lord, we, we really don't know what God's will is for our children. We're not given a prophetic utterance. I was not able to stand up here and declare what God was going to do with each child, how they would serve, what gifts they would have, what uh, important function they would fulfill. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know, but yet we do know that God uses our children in mighty and powerful ways. And it's a joy to be able, as we rear our children, to learn more and more about how God is going to use them and to foster that desire in their life, to encourage and to reinforce the desires that they have to honor and serve the Lord. For notice this, Simeon then addressed Mary and told her that not all will be joy and bliss. He informs her that Jesus will meet severe opposition. Notice verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and then this, and for a sign that is opposed, and for a sign that is opposed. There will be many that will be in opposition to Jesus. There will be many that are going to not appreciate that he is the Messiah, not accept that he is the Son of God, not believe that he is born of a virgin, and they are going to be opposed to him. And being opposed is putting it mildly, for he ultimately is going to be crucified. And that is hinted at in the very next verse. For it tells us in verse 35, that opposition will bring great sorrow to Mary. For it tells us in verse 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. The word for sword here is for a broad-edged sword. It's a, a sword of military judgment. And it says, and, and this is going to pierce your own soul. One can't fully understand the heartache and misery that Mary must have known in the opposition that was manifested against Jesus. Uh, none of us want to outlive our children. There's just something that seems inappropriate to that. We just expect that as parents, we're going to die before our, our children are going to die. To see our, our children 
living godly, holy lives and yet not be respected, not to be appreciated, not to be supported or welcomed by others, certainly is a hardship and a difficulty. But just imagine as Mary watched the ordeal that Jesus was going through. First, the, the trial and all of its uh, irregularities, <laughs> uh, injustices that he underwent, the mockery, the crown, the beatings, and then the actual crucifixion itself. As she witnessed that crucifixion, she witnessed it as a believer. There's a, a level in which she understands the, the purpose and will and of God in all of this. But I submit to you as a mother, this verse is telling us that it was an ordeal. It was an ordeal. Sometimes it's difficult for us to let our children go to fulfill the will of God. Sometimes it's God's will that our children die in opposition. There are parents that have lost children on the mission field. There are parents that have lost children in persecution in their own lands. There are parents that have seen children put to death before their own eyes. It's not a glib thing to say we release our children to the Lord for whatever purpose of God that may involve. This is a, a sobering moment. But the point is, as we would look at it, we'd all say it's worth it. We'd all say that it is the right thing. We would understand it at a certain theological level. And I hope that we likewise can understand at a certain theological level, even for the hardships and difficulties that come into the lives of our own children, that these are a part of the will of God. This is a part of what we accept. Uh, sometimes it's disease. Uh, sometimes it's hardship. Sometimes it's accidents. Uh, but uh, we turn them over for God's purposes. And God uses these things. God brings people to a saving knowledge of himself through these hardships, through these difficulties, through these, these tragedies. Uh, the second person that is there is Anna. Anna also witnessed the dedication. Notice verses 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him, of all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. What I want to point out to you here is the difference between Anna and Simeon. The difference between Anna and Simeon. And what I want to point out is the difference in their being there for the dedication. The emphasis upon 
Simeon is that he is there out of a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought Simeon into the temple for the very purpose of dedicating Jesus to the Lord. It had been revealed to him that he was going to see the Messiah, and God made sure that he was there to participate in the dedication of Jesus. The reason that Hannah was there is because she was always there. Let me say that again. The reason that Anna was in the temple is because she was always in the temple. Notice verse 37. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks of God. So she is there, as she always is. But this day was unlike any other day that she had been in the temple. This day was different from every other day of worship and service. And she had been worshiping and serving God for years. For years. She's now 84 years old. But this day, Jesus is being presented. This day, Mary and Joseph are, uh, excuse me, uh, Mary and Jesus are being purified. And so verse 38 says, And coming at that very hour, she began to think, give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Again, this waiting, this anticipation. She had this hope that there was going to be a redeemer. She's not told that she's going to see this redeemer before she dies. But she has this expectation. She too is waiting. She too is looking. And when Jesus comes, she knows this is that redeemer. And she began to speak to everyone in the temple about who this Jesus was. Who this Jesus was. Not being overly dramatic, but you know, there, there's a tremendous blessing to be found in faithful worship to God. You never know when the Spirit of God is going to uniquely work and move among his people. You never know. Thomas was not present when Jesus appeared to the rest of the disciples. And if you remember, Thomas was doubting. And when the rest of the disciples said that they saw Jesus, he said, unless I put my fingers in the nail prints of his hands inside, I won't believe. I won't believe. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. And he missed out on a great blessing. Andrew Murray is an interesting soul. Uh, Andrew Murray was a, a missionary to Africa and had served God faithfully. And without ceasing, was praying for a revival to take place in Africa. For his whole life, he was praying for God to pour out his Holy Spirit on, on Africa and bring a revival. Andrew Murray rarely left the continent. But on one occasion, came to America. And as he, when he was in America, revival broke out in Africa. 
And he lamented the fact that he missed it, that he, he wasn't there. In fact, he found it very difficult to praise and thank God for what God was doing because he felt like it was an injustice. Here he prayed for this all this, this long time, and he missed out. Now, brothers and sisters, we don't want to miss out on life. And, you know, there, there are these just unique situations where God wonderfully meets with his people, pours out his, his blessing, opens our eyes to his, his truth. Not every service is the same. But boy, there is a, a reward for faithful service to God. And we should have an expectation that God is going to work and move in our midst. But lastly, I want us to consider the blessing that came upon Jesus as a result of his dedication. Notice with me verses 39 and 40. And when they had performed everything according to the law, law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This, in part, and I emphasize in part, well, God in his sovereignty, you know, of course, had set apart Jesus. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But in God's sovereignty, it's no coincidence that Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to the Lord. That was an important step in the development and growth of Jesus. That was an important act. That was an important statement on their own part of relinquishing Jesus, not for their desires, but for God's desires. And so he grew. And so he developed. And so he increased in wisdom and in favor with God. This dedication was effectual was effectual. I would submit to you to keep in mind that when we have these religious rites that are performed in the church, to never think of them as perfunctory. Never think of them as mere tradition. But we believe they're effectual. We believe that God honors these vows. We believe that God is going to work. I believe that these children are going to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that they're going to rise up and want to serve and, and honor God. And part of the reason I believe that is because these parents have said, we're going to share the gospel with them. We're going to bring them regularly to the house of worship. We're going to teach them to memorize God's word. We're going to teach them as soon as they are old enough to understand the purpose and nature of this dedication. We are coming to present this child to God for his will 
whatever that may involve. And I believe that God's blessing rests upon these children as a result. I would encourage everyone, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, present your children in dedication to the Lord. For God hears and answers our prayer. God is at work. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus, who his godly parents were faithful in fulfilling all the law of God. And in fulfilling all the law of God, included in that, bringing Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, to present him to the Lord. Lord, we pray for our children this morning. There are many uh, children here that have already been dedicated to the Lord. Lord, we pray your continued blessing upon them. We pray your continued striving with them. We pray for their faith. We pray for their allegiance, for their bringing honor and glory to you. I, I thank you for mothers and fathers, for godly parents who seek to establish godly households. Thank you for mothers and for their influence. Lord, uh, please bless our families. Please bless our mothers. Thank you for their sacrifice. Use their, their, their tears. Use their joys. Oh Lord, uh, help us in times in which our own soul is pierced because of what our children are going through. Oh Lord, give us confidence in you. Give us submissive hearts to believe what you have is best. And may we desire that our children be greatly used of you, bringing honor and glory to your most precious and holy name, for you are worthy. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.